Hello and welcome to the Power by Rock podcast, where I'm going to be speaking with Jim from the musical project Scoopski, which is a Philly-based act that is incredibly catchy and has songs that will have you singing and laughing along due to some of the subtle humor behind many of the songs. We'll dig into the music of Scoopski right after this. You're listening to the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. The Powered by Rock podcast was created to help showcase some of the best rock musicians in the world and to pass on to future generations the rock music that has inspired rock fans around the world for decades. We want listeners to be able to hear great stories and life experiences directly from their favorite artists, as well as dig deeper into music theory and talk rock like no other show you've ever heard. This isn't about looking cool. It's about getting real and having a great time. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. It's Isaac from Powered by Rock here again. Today is going to be a lot of fun because I get to talk with Jim from Scoopski, which is a one-man musical project that's pretty impressive for its musical quality and the proficiency with which you put music out, first of all. Three albums in three years, that's not an easy feat by any means. And to make all the songs good is even more impressive. So, hey, Jim, welcome to the show. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Isaac. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like revealing a little bit behind the behind the uh, curtain I, obviously scoopski's the project name jim's mm-hmm. you, you weren't born scoopski but uh, you know that's no. the project name so <laughs> it's pretty cool that you know we actually get to talk to you see you see that you're a real person and it's not just a robot making this music out there on the internet somewhere but uh, right. yeah one thing i really like about your music is it's actually very professional sounding um especially for a, a no. kind of independent act and you play all the instruments really well so like I know that you first, you told me that you first kind of started on drums or at least early on you were playing drums in a band. Uh, so there's a lot of songs like emergency Joyride, which has some really cool drum work in there. It's got some fills with like the double bass beats and stuff like that, that, you know, might sound otherwise like a sixties pop song or something like that. But <laughs> what's it like being a one man band? You know, I, I do a little bit of recording myself. And so I know all the ins and outs, but I, I don't make it as sound as good as you. And uh, you know, uh, how do you feel about the the, the one-man aspect of it? Well, first of all, thank you for the compliment on the sound because one of my, like, most, uh, I don't I don't know how to say it, but, like, something I'm most self-conscious about is my production on the songs because yeah. I produce everything, too. So the fact that you say that, that makes me feel really good. I'm happy to hear that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's great. Um, you know, I was in bands a bunch of bands growing up for, you know, years and years in the outside Philly music scene, suburb out of Philly. Um, and you know, that was, that was amazing, you know, just growing up playing in, playing in a bunch of different rock bands. Um, but transfer, you know, going to a one man band, it's, I think it's something I've kind of secretly always wanted to do. Um, yeah. but yeah, just having all the creative freedom to, record whatever you want, say whatever you want, um, you know, take as much time on the recording as you need to. It's just, it's really fulfilling. And um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just great. I mean, it's the happiest I've ever been making music in my entire life. So yeah. Um, Do you ever end up arguing uh, with yourself about how the song should sound in in any aspect at all? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I go through that all (laughs) the, like the editing process for, my songs is like very arduous. Like I'm, I'll be, I'll listen to a song on every medium. Like I'll listen to it in my car headphones, um, you know, on the TV, like, and you know, I'll, I'll make little tweaks and changes for hours and hours. And you know, yeah. that part's very arduous, but you know, I won't stop until I'm at least 
until it sounds at least passable to me that I'm like, okay, I guess I can put this out now. <laughs> um, yeah, I do one thing, thing I should like, say, I'll drive around my neighborhood listening to one song over and over. Like, does that sound right? What's wrong with that? What, what can I get that sound? That yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. One thing I should say is that uh, although like on the internet, I'm, I am like kind of a, a one man band. I actually, we actually are a two piece. Um, technically um, my wife, um, uh, I call her Mrs. Scoopsky. She, um, she actually helps me write songs and um, she plays the keys and does backup harmonies. And on the new album coming out, actually, she takes lead vocals on a few songs, actually. So nice. that's kind of a bit of a change going forward. Um, she's not as like she's not as comfortable like putting an online persona out as I am. But um, <laughs> going forward, we, we might start incorporating her into the imagery online, but we'll see. We'll cross yeah. that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> that's awesome. But, yeah. So, yeah, obviously not everyone who's listening to the show will likely know who Scoopsky is. And even the fans mm -hmm. who do may not know about your journey. So, like, let's dig into your background a little bit. You did you did talk about being in some bands and stuff. So let's kind of talk about yeah. how you first started getting into music and, and what led to, you know, obviously ended up just doing Scoopsky. All right. Well, um, so, you know, growing up, obviously, my you know, you always listen to what your parents have on. Um, yeah. My parents, you know very into a lot of actually when i was growing up you know the early 90s was kind of happening dating myself here but uh, yeah. my parents actually well, liked some cool boat. music at the time <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um my parents were into uh you know like your third eye blinds and your everclears um collective soul so i grew up hearing a lot of that um and then uh i didn't really personally click with music on a personal level though, until I was 13 years old. And the band that did it for me was good Charlotte, okay. <laughs> like full stop. They were the band that got me into music. Like, um, lifestyles are rich and famous. I heard it on the radio. I went and got the album, fell in love with the album, saw them live. That's what made me want to start playing drums. Uh, nice. first was good Charlotte. Um, so yeah, pretty much them and then getting into a bunch of other pop punk music from there. Yeah. is what really made me want to start playing music. And then I got a drum kit at the same time that my uh, my cousin and good friend um, got his first guitar. So we actually started playing together uh, lately, um, you know, right after that Christmas when we got our instruments. And we eventually got decent enough that we like were like, all right, we should do something with this. Because we were in, you know, in high school and... Um, you know, so I found a couple of friends who wanted to try to be in a band and we started a pop punk band called Renegade Bookman. And that was uh, my first band. <laughs> I think it cut out a little uh, bit. So, there. You know, what did we, you say? Renegade? What was it? Uh, Renegade Milkman. Oh, Milkman. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, we just kind of goofed around and started writing songs. That was kind of how I got into songwriting was, you know, eventually... I was a drummer, but I kind of cared. I noticed I cared a lot about the songs and how they sounded yeah. and the lyrics and all. So I was like, I think I might be more than just a drummer. So after that point, I got a guitar and, um, you know, I kind of just started learning, teaching myself how to play and writing songs. And, you know, throughout the years, I, I stuck to playing in drums in, uh, a, you know, another band after that. And I, transition slowly but surely into more singing like in my second band i was drummer slash backup singer and then my third band um i was the just the lead singer like i just yeah. became a front man in that group um that's actually the group 
Uh, my wife was in that group, so that's how we met, actually. She was a bandmate of mine. And then, you know, um, that group ended in, like, 2014-ish or so. I joined a Beatles cover band for a little bit after that. That was fun. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> I kind of didn't touch music again for a few years because we were living in, like, a really crappy apartment in Philly, and we had, like, really bad neighbors. And anytime I played, they kind of, like, gave us a hard time, even though they were super loud all the time themselves. Um, yeah. So when uh, <laughs> it wasn't really until we bought our own house uh, a few years ago that it was like, you know, we had a basement, which is where I'm at right now. Um, and I was like, you know what? I kind of got a little studio around here. So let me give this a shot. And I picked up the guitar and um, I haven't been able to stop since since that day. I picked yeah. up my guitar in the basement here. So here I am. Yeah, I mean, I can tell, obviously, you've written so. like 40 songs in three years. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't I don't know what it is. I just got bit with a songwriting bug. And I like I said, I think it's the freedom of just having you know, time and a place to do it and the means to do it and the drive to do it. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's just, just been wonderful. Well, and you just had a kid, so he hasn't come home from the hospital as we were talking about beforehand, but once he does, you might be slowing down a little bit just, just for a while. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the idea. I, I kind of put this album out and know like right beforehand knowing like, yeah, I think, things are good, probably going to start to slow down a bit here. So yeah. 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 It's like, they always say like, make sure you don't have any like house projects or anything like done. Once your baby comes, that stuff's going to be put on hold for a while. So like get everything out of the way. I was like, okay. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that's just had a kid last year too. <laughs> that's, I was like, yeah. 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 That's, and that, you know, I'm totally fine with that. I'm ready for that. So that's awesome. That's all good. <laughs> Congrats again. Um, so yeah, Thank let's you. talk about some of the songs because you do obviously write about some pretty funny subject matter. I mean, just off the top of my head, I could list a few, but like mermaid girl, for example, mm -hmm. or top eight, I miss my, I miss my space or even the newest <laughs> single. Uh, I think it's still the newest single Elon send me to Mars. Yeah. So why did you kind of decide to write songs that are kind of funny versus, you know, being serious or like depressed or whatever? Is that kind of like a reflection of your personality? Um, yeah. So when I first started writing songs, like, well, I should say, like, one of my biggest influences is Weezer, and they're kind of known for their pop culture references, and, like, yep. they just kind of put that in everything, and I think I just kind of took a lot of that. Funny, and... <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I've also gotten a lot of comparisons to uh, Nerf Herder. A lot of people say my stuff sounds like them, but, yeah. um, but anyways, getting off track. Um, yeah, I mean... I think I just kind of write songs that way. Like the first song that I really wrote that caught on with people, like in the local music scene where I grew up was um, a song about tales from Sonic the Hedgehog. And <laughs> I think <laughs> ever since that one, I kind of just have been like stuck in a, not stuck in a rut in a bad way, but like I kind of love to stick to pop culture stuff and yep. incorporate a lot of that into the lyrics. Now, like I don't, that's not all I do. Like there, my last album I put out, um, the second one out of the three, um, that one's kind of more depressing because I was going through a lot of bad stuff in my life. There's a lot of stuff about depression, anxiety, loss. And, um, yeah. so I think like, I, I know it's, it's like, you know, when people hear like mermaid girl, it's like, Oh, that guy's like the, you know, the lighthearted guy, but there, there's a little bit, of, there's a little bit of everything in there, but I, I'm totally cool with the, the branding of like the lighthearted nerd rock geek rock stuff. Um, yeah. And I mean, the name like a lot of obviously is, is from Impractical Jokers, which is a, yep. you know, a funny show itself. 
Sure, sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've always liked, you know, groups that have, you know, they can, like Weezer, they can have a song that's like kind of jokey. Not, you know, like you said, not intentionally jokey, but yeah. more lighthearted. And then they have Pinkerton, which is like, you know, raw and emotional. So I've always respected that a lot. Um, and, you know, this next album coming out, it's got it's got some sentimental stuff on it um some some somewhat serious stuff and then it's got songs like elon send me to mars which is yeah you know obviously more on the lighthearted side so i like a balance um definitely the scale leans more towards the lighthearted silly yeah. side though <laughs> yeah and yeah. i think a lot of like your videos that you 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 create kind of those are kind of the, the ones that you make the videos behind because it's so kind of easy to do something funny about it right so um you correct know, yeah. when you talk talk about the videos looking at like um you know, uh, I'm trying to think of like uh, contrarian where you're doing like the flip signs or whatever. Right. So it's like, yeah, you're just kind of taking <laughs> kind of taking it with a grain of salt because it's not like you have to be serious in those songs. Obviously, right. when you do more serious songs, uh, there is that, you know, that that personal stake in it, too. So like if you if you create it and nobody likes it or you create a video behind it and everyone's like, what the hell is this versus what you yeah. before, then it hurts a lot more. Right. It's like, oh, man, they don't for sure. That. Like the other, the lighthearted sure. one, yeah. If you don't like it, it's because I was joking around anyway. That's fine. But when it's like serious <laughs> and they don't like it, you're like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> and I'll, yeah, and I'll be honest. Like, I kind of, you know, not that it, not I'm an independent artist. I only have like, you know, a few hundred listeners on Spotify. It's not like yeah. big scale or anything. But like, I did, like, you know, my second album, it definitely wasn't received as well as the first one for sure. So it's yeah. like, and that was, was more personal. And I'm like, it didn't hurt me or anything, but, you know, cause I'm not expecting huge anything, but, yeah. cause I'm just doing this for fun. But it definitely like, you know, it was like, okay, like, I guess people are more, maybe for me, they want more of the pop culture reference songs. So, yeah. You know, it's well, it is this it is. is exactly <laughs> the reason why Rivers Cuomo stopped creating Pinkerton albums. That's that's true. Yeah, <laughs> maybe repeating itself. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he basically said that he felt like it was too personal, so that way, when it wasn't received as well as the first album, he basically just said, "I'm not going to do that anymore." Yeah, which is you know, it's, it's really a shame. I know, like, and he tried on some albums to kind of go back to like the emotional side, but. It was never as honest as it was, you know, on Pinkerton. Um, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So one of the kind of most obvious influences for the lighthearted songs, I think might be like a, a and even some of the vocal range on it. It might be something like a weird Al Yankovic, because I know even though you're not writing parodies and you don't do polka songs or anything like that, you do have a tendency to be funny and sing in a way that makes people happy. Do you, do you feel it's a fair comparison or do you see... Weird Al is like an influence in any way on you? I'm totally cool with that um, because, you know, I, I love Weird Al growing up. Um, and yeah. <laughs> you're not the first person to say that. I think someone told me that like a couple weeks ago, actually. Um, I'm cool with that. I think uh, and then like, you know, Perry Grip and Nerf Herder, they're they're kind of like an influence on me. That's something that yeah. I've been compared to a lot as well. And Perry Grip is kind of on the Weird Al Yankovic spectrum as well so yeah. you know that's that's totally that's totally cool with me <laughs> yeah awesome so let's go way back in this time machine all the way back to the year 2020 knowing that you've done two albums that came right out uh, you know came out after that but did you call some of the uh, songs from the first album like did you take anything out to then save it for later albums or was that just like the first 
you know, 10 songs or whatever that kind of came out. Did you use anything from that first kind of session or that first recording process that you ended up being put into albums two or three? Um, let's see. Yeah, there was definitely some stuff. I mean, even the first album, like it definitely went through like different iterations. I had like a couple EPs before I made that one an album. So, um, the songs in the first year and a half were kind of really kind of scattered around, but they just ended up on that first album, which is called bad things happen in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. I took the best of those sessions, which, you know, there actually was more songs, believe it or not, um, than, than what's out there. Um, some, some I cut down on, but yeah, the first year or so it was definitely more scattered, but once the, got to the album and now the third one, things were kind of more streamlined for sure. Like yeah. album process. Yeah. yeah. So obviously the, the, the names of your albums, it's, when I read them, when I just read the names, like it almost kind of sounds like you're having a conversation because the first one's called uh, bad things happen in Philadelphia. And the second album is called everything is fine. So it's like, wait, bad things happen, but everything's fine. It's like, there's almost a contradiction there. I'm pretty sure it might be unintentional, yeah. but did the album names, the first two at least have any correlation to each other? They did not. Um, <laughs> I, I did realize that before what exactly what you're saying. Um, when you look at them side by side, it's like, whoa, that, that's, that's odd. Um, no, they actually, they had nothing to do with each other. Um, uh, bad things happened in Philadelphia. It was just, you know, I saw an opportunity for a funny album cover with, uh, you know, my two cats shooting lasers out of their eyes at the city of Philadelphia <laughs> and blowing things up. Yeah. <laughs> and then things are fine. Was uh, That was more of a, like a reflection on, you know, the, the past year or so yeah. with, you know, the pandemic and, you know, some stuff I had gone through in my life at that point, some kind of dark stuff. So that was kind of like more of a, a reassurance almost like a, you know, yeah. things are going to be fine. Self-affirmation. Um, so they weren't really, yeah, yeah, certainly. Mm-hmm. So they weren't really related in any way, even though it could seem that way from, you know, just looking at it. <laughs> yeah. And then speaking of album titles, obviously the new album, which by the time this airs should be coming out. So uh, the new album is called see you soon. And the cover has a sonogram photo of a baby with the universal, you know, rock and roll hand gesture on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a bit about this already, but, your son was supposed to be born around this time and then he came early. So kind of explain how that, that, that album title and that concept came together. Yeah. Um, so that baby on the cover is actually our baby. Um, that's not him actually doing that with his hand. Um, that's <laughs> said, superimposed. My, like, my sister bro. actually. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, my sister actually superimposed the, the hand gesture yeah. on there like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our little boy is, uh, he's here now. Um, he's been a long, a long journey um, because uh, we actually, uh, we actually had a battle with infertility, the two of us. Um, so we actually went through the IVF process for, for this yeah. baby. Um, and that's, uh, that's something that we, there's actually a couple songs about it on, on the new album. Um, there's actually a song about it on our first album too. It's called lullaby to nobody, which is more of a depressing take on it. But, um, you know, there's, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, this whole album was recorded time of our IVF transfer, which is when they, they transfer the egg. Um, and then, you know, 
from there you have to wait to see if it takes and everything and luckily he did um so from that time the first song was called while we wait which is a song my wife wrote um about like you know we hope this works and you know waiting to see you know what will come of this um so that song's on the album and then everything else you know whether it's a song about about being a parent which there's some of those on there there's you know, I wrote a couple and my wife wrote a couple, or yeah. it's just, you know, the typical pop culture, fun songs. Everything was recorded from like May of last year to December, 2021. So everything was recorded over the course of the pregnancy. And I just thought, you know, it would be a nice cap on it to put him on the album cover. And that's kind of like the light theme of the album is like, you know, I'll see you soon. And, you know, and spoiler, the, the final song, See You Soon, is a lot about you know, being a father and what I'm expecting out of it and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll yeah. tell you, you know, obviously being a new father myself, uh, my son just turned a year. It's not what you think. Congrats. Like the first couple of weeks are like, I want to punch my face in right now, but <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you so know, and like uh, we were talking. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, go, no, go ahead. Like we were talking about before. Um, okay. Yeah, like we were talking about before, um, you know, he's still in the the NICU because he was, you know, he was here early. Um, he's, you know, about five and a half weeks early, uh, but he's doing really well. So he's not home yet, but he should be soon. Um, by the time this comes out, he, you know, very good chance he will be home with us. So, yeah, we're hoping, him, you know. Awesome. And then then we'll, we'll have a I'll have either a drummer or a guitar player and you'll have either a drummer or a guitar player and then we'll start a cool band. That's right. I heard you saying that to someone else on one of the, the episodes yeah. too, and we'll we'll have to join like them all up to make a band. We have like this international band that we can put together. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> like we are the world. Awesome. Yeah, we are. The so 20 obviously, <laughs> you are from Pennsylvania. You have a song called Pennsylvania. You talk all about Pennsylvania and how you love it. Um, now. Is that truly like a sentiment you have for the state that you live in? Or is that kind of like an ironic sentiment? Because most people kind of hate the place that they live in for some reason or another. It's like, well, if you don't like it, why don't you just move? But you do mention like cheesesteaks and all this other stuff. Like name something like your favorite things about Pennsylvania. And do you truly love where you live? It's that. So that song is both tongue in cheek and not at the same time, which yeah. I think is a theme in a lot of my songs, actually. Yeah. Um, it's. I do like Pennsylvania. Like I'm, I, you know, I'm proud to be from there. And then there's also some things I say in the song where I'm like, you know, it's like, Oh, Pennsylvania, I can barely afford you. And yeah. then you list some things that are like, eh, I'm not, not crazy about, uh, you know, and that says a line about how like, you know, there's no good beaches in the state. So it pokes yeah. fun at Pennsylvania <laughs> while at the same time kind of honoring it. And that song kind of just came about cause I was like, like I can't think of too many songs that are about Pennsylvania. Like there's songs about California and New Jersey and New York, but Pennsylvania doesn't have too many like anthems per se. There's one yeah. by the Bloodhound Gang, which I enjoy because yep. I, I, I was like just going to say P to the <laughs> yep. P to the A or P to the fucking A or whatever they call it. I can't yep. remember what it's called, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, they're they're probably an influence of mine too. They're from my yeah. area, um, but uh, yeah, I mean. That song is, like I said, it's a little bit of both. It's an honoring Pennsylvania and also making fun of Pennsylvania. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. outside of Pennsylvania, most people don't know what Wawa's are or um, mm -hmm. what, what do you guys call that? That ice thing, um, water ice. 
water ice, ice. yeah, yeah that, like, that's actually water ice, yeah. that's actually in the chorus uh it's uh we could be eating pretzels and water ice in the sun that's but right. the keystone of life is keeping an eye on your sodium because you know yeah. that those have bad for you but uh <laughs> i don't even think i even knew what water ice was until i saw an episode of maybe the goldbergs or it's always sunny or something like that and they're talking about it. i'm like what the uh, hell are they talking about I'm like isn't that a snow cone <laughs> but yeah yeah i i didn't realize until i was older that no one else around the country calls them that and i just always grew up calling it that um, yeah. but yeah <laughs> pretty funny so obviously you know right now you're probably not planning on making any big moves like doing any touring or doing any like shows or anything but is that something that you actually want to achieve uh, is that something that you want to do with an actual band do you want to take the show on the road at some point so i've really thought about this um i have a friend actually i have a, a bunch of friends um that i've met online actually uh, on twitter there's really a big community of like really great indie musicians um and I'll probably give some of them like a shout out for the end of the show, but, um, no uh, chance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but there's actually uh, a friend of mine who actually is featured on the new album. Um, his project is called modern amusement and he plays shows where he kind of plays to a backing track with drums and bass and he plays a good distorted guitar yep. and sings over it. And I was like, I, I I knew he was going to be doing it and he was like, yeah, he was posting videos. And I was like, that sounds really cool. And then he posted a video of the live show and I was like, wow, that could actually work. Like, and I'm like really seriously considering doing it myself. Um, yeah. I was actually more so looking into it um, before uh, COVID kind of exploded again in my area, but um, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not, it's not out of the, the realm of possibility for sure. Um, that's that's definitely a way I'd consider doing a show because just playing acoustic for my stuff, not really sure I'd be that into it. I mean, it could be fun, yeah. but I think I'd really rather just play an electric guitar and, you know, maybe with like a, a backing track. I think it could be a, a fun time and it works for him. Um, he plays, you know, his music's kind of like Weezer-ish as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it might work for me. So I, I may try that in the next year or so, depending on how things go. So. Yeah, and at we'll least see. you don't have to worry about people showing up for band practice or having the drummer out of time or anything like that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's that's a plus. <laughs> like, if we only could have like robots, like you know, get like the Star Wars Cantina band in here or something, and just like have droids sure. play it or whatever. <laughs> that's right. That's all you need. Get a droid band. <laughs> so I did mention some of the videos earlier, but let's talk about some of the videos because obviously you do have quite a lot of videos, and and some of them use like stock footage that you kind of you know, layer over, but, um, I am kind of curious as like how you actually do some of these videos. Like, how do you create the videos? Are you using a few sites that you find? Obviously you're using some, like, I think in one of the latest videos it might even be the Elon Musk one actually, where you have like eight bit graphics on the screen and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And some like cool backgrounds and stuff, but how are you actually creating these videos? Like, I, I know, you know, you could tell they're low budget, but I mean, they don't seem like they're just like thrown together by like somebody who has absolutely no talent. You're doing that thing on purpose. Right. Yeah. Oh, they are totally intentionally low budget. They yeah. are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I just have fun with it. Like I do, I do what I can with the very limited resources I have. And, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I'll pull some clips off of, you know, wherever on the internet and use them and, you know, yeah, I'm not really making any money off them. So I guess that's yeah. why I never got it. This guess that's why I never got a copyright strike for it, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, I just have fun with it and 
I just try to make something that's that's entertaining to people and you know something that goes along with the song because you know that's always the kind of videos I like to watch so I do what I can with what I got so yeah <laughs> yeah and then obviously the the promotion side of it you know I like to get into this with like independent artists because you know all you know myself and a lot of the friends that I have and, and a lot of independent local acts and, and, and people that I know that do this like they don't get paid much right like if anything at all normally no. you're paying out of pocket to do any of this stuff and it's just for a hobby right but um, it's, it's a passion that everybody has that I know that that's in music. Um, so I, I always like to ask, like, you know, as far as like promoting and stuff like this, like just digging into all these like production and all that stuff. So that way anyone who's thinking about like, Hey, this is maybe something I want to do, like get some tips from people who are doing it right now. Um, as far as your promotion and stuff, like obviously Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff, what, what kind of tactics do you use to go kind of go out there and get the name and, and, and everything like that? Because obviously I don't know how I came across you, but I, I know like we were probably just commented on somebody else's video or post or something. And then I looked at your profile or something, something might've happened where you commented on something that I did, or I don't know, but then we ended yeah. up chatting on Instagram and then, you know, I, I ended up watching some of your videos and enjoying them. Yeah. Um, social media is 100% of the way to, I do it. Um, it's not even like close. I mean, Instagram has been like big for me. Um, you know, I, I kind of have like a little flow on my Instagram where I'll post like some song stuff one day and then I'll post just random memes to keep people entertained yeah. and stuff <laughs> I find funny. Um, you know, just keep people people entertained. And then, you know, for me personally, if I'm following someone and, you know, they're posting something I laugh at and then I see like they post music as well, I might be more interested to check it out. Um, so, you know, I think that's a way. And then um, like uh, I was talking about Twitter before, um, I've really found a there's a great community of people on Twitter um, and you know, we all kind of like make playlists and curate playlists um, for each other and everybody's fans kind of just converge and, you know, everybody listens to each other. And I think that's a big part of the way that, um, you know, the word spread um, also a lot, some of it like, you know, like, again, not that I'm like super, you know, achieved or anything, but um uh, a couple of years ago, actually, like a little over a year ago, there was a um, a mermaid, a mermaid like professional mermaid they're called, where they they dress up like mermaids and they kind of swim around. And yep. she actually used my song "Mermaid Girl" in one of her clips one day, and she's got like millions of followers on TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> and some, I was like, I was like taken aback. I was like, oh, okay. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at her video and it's using my song and it's got like hundreds of thousands of views. So, you know, I think that may have been something to help me out too. It was just pure luck was yeah. this, this, uh, Instagram or, you know, heard my song and was like, Oh, that worked in this video. So, um, yeah, a little, a little bit of everything, but social media is definitely the key for, for indie artists in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people, especially rock musicians and indie rock musicians are always like, I don't want to like go on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and promote myself. And it's like, well, then you're just not going to have any promotion. Like no one's ever going to hear your music. Sorry. Like you, you make yeah. the greatest music in the world and you're never going to get any, anybody hear it. Yeah. It's just kind of the way to do it. I mean, unless you're touring all the time and playing a show every night. And it, even then I feel like you still need social media. It's still yep. an essential. So it's definitely key. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, like, so I'll give an example. Like I went to a, 
show here in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. They, this one band it's called Blue Rain Boots, and uh, they uh, they're from Utah. They came down uh, to do a show in Las Vegas, and they have millions of streams on 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 Spotify. They could only mm -hmm. pull about sixty people for that show in Las wow. Vegas. Wow. So it's like, if you don't have social media, you're not touring, you're not do like, you have to have it all. Like if you want to get any sort of following and, and, and listenership, you can't just expect people to pick it up and go, Oh, I found this off the, the internet somewhere. And it's like a great piece of music. Like you have to put the time and work in and, um, you know, even just running a, a, you know, powered by rock, for example, I don't promote my own music. I promote other people's music and talk about cool stuff that's going on, but I still have to do the exact same thing. It's, it's, you know, it is a full-time job now for me because I actually have stopped working for my, my huh? past career awesome. and, and, and uh, just focusing cool. on this full-time now. But um, it is something that if you're passionate about, you do need to put in the work. And yeah, I don't really like Twitter and I don't like Facebook. I've, I've figured out Instagram enough to be able to mm -hmm. like, okay, I get it. I like it. I can use it. There's not as much political bullshit on there that people are always spouting hate and stuff. Um, Twitter, that's kind of a, as the as the guys from Letter Kenny will tell you, that's kind of a cult. So I haven't cut, kind of gotten there yet. Um, but uh, there is like these little sub niches of Twitter. It's like Reddit. Like you get in there, and mm -hmm. as soon as you say something wrong, you're like, everyone's just like screaming at you. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. whatever. <laughs> you gotta find you gotta find the right part of Twitter. There's there is. Yeah. It took me a while because I know what you're talking about. There is some cults on Twitter um, of every stripe. But I found you know like I keep talking about there's really a, a great group of like indie artists on twitter that i've bonded with and they're all great so um but yeah instagram's great like you said that cuts a lot of the political bull crap and stuff too yeah. and uh yeah <laughs> cool so obviously we'll add some links to your music in our show notes below this episode did you have anything else that you wanted to plug or you want to say anything to the you know, listeners who maybe haven't heard of you yet and, and want to check out your music what would you say to them um yeah i'd say if you want to check out my music um it's you know it's fun power pop music a uh, little bit of alternative some people call it geek rock uh the next album is it's a lot of lighthearted, a lot of you know not so serious music mixed with some semi-serious music um yeah. like i said my my wife mrs skoopsky she's got a few songs on there so that switches things up a bit and people seem to like them so far from who I've played it for. Um, and uh, yeah, see you soon. It comes out on February 2nd, 2022. And, you know, it'll be on all streaming services, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, anywhere you want to find it. And you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything. Pretty much my my tag is always at Ski the Band, uh, no spaces. So that's yeah. always how you can find me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just real, real quick, I wanted to give a couple of shout outs to my buds on uh, sure. the indie world on Twitter. I uh, wanted to shout out, already shout out Modern Amusement, um, the Negatrons, Fuzz Ruckus, the Kudas, Eric Linden, Mikey J, Brian Lambert, Bathroom of the Future, Orange Creek Riders, and Matt Derda. They're all great. So go check them out. And they better listen to this episode then so they can hear their shout outs. They, they, they better. I think they will. <laughs> I think they will. Awesome. So, I want to thank you, obviously, Jim, for, for coming on, talking about Scoopski and everything all to do with the projects and the three albums. And again, congratulations on yeah. having the, the son. Um, thanks for the conversation today. And if you haven't checked out the music yet, go to the show notes below this episode for the links. If you like what you heard on the show, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends on social media. You can see the full video interview on our YouTube channel as well. 
So if you want to check out our written content or any of the products or merch that we have available, go to PoweredByRock.com to read our absolutely free rocking blog full of album reviews, interviews, and lists to keep you entertained. And find our gear as well so you can pick up some items to play and look like a rock legend. That's our show for today. We'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on.